for, you know, other than its intended purpose, like shoes, like shoes, we all know they're meant to like cushion the foot for walking and all that other stuff. But, you know, sometimes a shoe's just a really good thing to use to like squish a bug, right? It's a good bug killer, scary bug, shoe, that's just good instinct. And I don't mean that like we that stuff happens but i mean sometimes people really really don't use something for what it's in, intended for let me give you a couple of testimonies somebody put this up i once caught a friend of mine rubbing an antibacterial hand wipe from kfc that's kentucky fried chicken if you have good parents and they don't take you there from kfc he was rubbing it all over his fried chicken the little packet said a hint of lemon, and he thought, oh, it must go with the chicken. Gross, bro. That's not what it's for, okay? It's for after. Here's another one. We weren't allowed hot plates or microwaves in my college dorm, so one of my roommates would cook bacon with her hair straightener. <laughs> Guys, so a hair straightener, never mind. You'll figure it out later. Okay. <laughs> People don't always use things the right way. And sometimes it's just because they don't understand what it's for. They, they don't really get it. They don't know what it is. More testimonies. When I was five, a Pizza Hut employee told me that the powder on the breadsticks was called fairy dust. I ordered extra fairy dust on my breadsticks until I was 16. When an employee finally said, do you mean garlic salt? Didn't know. Okay, here's another one. When I was a kid, I was told that the paper that, that came on cupcakes was edible. I would spend the next 10 years of my life eating cupcakes, wrapper and all. <laughs> Rough, okay? <laughs> here's another one. I sympathize with this guy. I had a lint roller for two years before I realized they were peelable. You just get a fresh sticker every time. When somebody showed me, I sat in silence for minutes, just taking it in. One last one. My family always had a cup next to the bathroom sink in case you needed to rinse your mouth after brushing your teeth or get a quick drink of water in the middle of the night. My grandma, you know where it's going, had the same cup at her house. I used it for years whenever I was thirsty. One day she saw me doing this and said, don't use that cup. That's where grandma keeps her teeth. (laughs) People don't always use things the way that they're intended to be used. Sometimes they don't know what it is. Sometimes they don't know what it's for. As we come back to the letter of 1 Timothy... The false teachers in this church, you know, they didn't have a KFC. They didn't know what hand sanitizer wipes were, but something similar was happening. They weren't using something the way it was meant to be used in this church almost 2,000 years ago. The the elders there, the, the pastors, these teachers who were responsible to teach God's word, didn't understand what the law of God was for. 
They didn't understand God's word. They weren't using it right. They didn't know how to use it correctly. They didn't understand it and how it was meant to not only help them, but help people in their church understand some very, very important truths. Things like this, like who God is and who God is especially in his holiness and in his perfection. The Bible helps us understand that. We're supposed to learn from God's word and especially his law that God hates sin. And his standard for everyone is perfection, no sin. And there's another important truth we're meant to learn. God's word is it's, it's, it's here to help us grasp who we are, especially in our sinfulness. And we fall short of God's standard and we, we understand that, that we just can't do what God asks us to do. So God's word is given to us so that we might come to understand these, these two truths and how these two realities come together and they create a really big problem for us. But God's word doesn't really just leave us there. Thankfully, through the Bible, we come to learn how God promises salvation, that he, he sent his son to pay for sin. He had a plan all along to save us. Through him, we can be forgiven. We can be redeemed. It's truly good news, which is why we call that news the gospel. We call it good news. Our sin is judged justly. It's been paid for. And because of Christ, we get to be declared righteous. And that's amazing good news. But we have to understand that truth from God's word. We can't be like these false teachers, these really bad pastors in this church in Ephesus. Paul sent a young pastor there named Timothy. He sent them there to, to stop those false teachers, to correct them and, and to teach the truth. We, we can't be like them, not understanding God's word and especially what God's law is for, what it is and, and how to use it. I mean, to not understand it would be just like, you know, a girl using a hair straightener to cook bacon. Just be really bad. Thinking you got it right, that, that eating that cupcake wrapper is right, and the whole time it's wrong. So we need to understand, and as we come back to First Timothy, I, I want to just remind you that this church, this Church in Ephesus, at one time, it was the pinnacle of what a church was supposed to be. It was a really good church, a healthy church at one time. They were taught the gospel, and they understood the basics of Christianity. They knew what new life in Christ was supposed to be like, and they had an amazing pastor. It was Paul. And I'll just be you know, it's pretty awesome to have him be there explaining the truth of God's word. But this church in Ephesus, they were, you know, so focused under Paul's leadership on things that a church is meant to be. They were focused on the gospel and they were so determined to see that gospel spread in their city. They were so fixed on that, on, on that mission of, of proclaiming Christ to people who needed the, the truth, but something went wrong. Something really bad happened, and Paul said it would happen as he left that church in Ephesus. Acts chapter 20, 
Verse 29, this is what Paul says. I know that after my departure, after I leave, he says, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. So how could that happen? Well, the answer is really in chapter 1, verse 5. We looked at that a couple weeks ago. Verse 5, Paul writes, you know, after telling Timothy what to do and to stop these false teachers, he writes in verse 5, The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Certain persons talking about those false teachers, by swerving away from these, they've wandered away into vain discussion, desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding either what they're saying or the things about which they make these confident assertions. So these leaders in this church, they, they stopped fighting for things that God's word is, is meant to help us. They stopped fighting for pure hearts. They didn't care about purity any longer. They didn't care about holiness. They didn't care about living the way God calls people to live, people who follow him to live. And that lack of purity, that lack of holiness, it led to a numbed conscience. Instead of a good conscience, a clear one, that internal alarm that's meant to ring, it's stopped, it was broken. And the result is is just a lack of sincere faith, a lack of genuine faith. This church is now focused on something that's not the gospel. That's not really anything to do with God's word at all. They'd rather discuss, you can see those words in verse 3, myths and endless genealogies. They'd swerved away from the gospel, from the life of a new creation and the pure heart it brings and the good conscience you're meant to have to help protect you, resulting in that sincere faith. They'd left that teaching behind and and now they they talk about vain stuff, discussion. It's, It's meaningless. No understanding of God's word. No clue. Lost. So, Paul says, because they desire so badly, verse 7, to be teachers of the law, they want it so much, teachers of of God's word, they only can speak that which is pointless or, or meaningless. They live convinced that God is speaking to his people through code and secret messages found in the Old Testament. So sin in this church has, has really led them to abandon truth. Even in an introduction, we can benefit sort of a review. We, we, we see something really important here. Sin in this church has led them to abandon truth. We see that. How, how important, though, for us to protect our heart, live for purity, crucial to guard that, that conscience, that, that gift that God gives each and every one of us to determine and be able to tell the difference between right and wrong. How helpful to encourage that rather than to mute it and beat it down. Even here we just see such a truth. The Bible would tell us that ignoring the conscience is really dangerous. 
It's the beginning of sort of the end of, of leaving our love for the Lord and for his word. When we give in to temptation, we let our hearts follow after the world and our flesh again. The conscience is meant to kick in. And when you say, shut up, shush, go away. It's really, 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 really dangerous. Verse 5 would tell you that it leads to the abandonment of real faith, genuine faith, sincere faith. It's only a matter of time then before you're just, you know, have no concern for the word of God, no care for what God's word actually has for you, no understanding of it and no desire to understand it. And in a way, you're left clueless, just like these false teachers in this church missing out on the benefits of God's word, missing out on the the guide that it is, the instruction that it is. So these teachers, these false teachers, they didn't understand what the law of God was. They didn't get what it was for. They were missing it so badly. Paul's concerned about that, and he wants to make sure that that Timothy and everybody who would read his letter would know what the law is for and that the law of God is good. Little training tonight, really no, uh, no slides, so I'll just encourage you to write down our big idea. It's this, God's law is meant to show me my need for the gospel. God's law is meant to show me my need for the gospel. We're going to look at just the next few verses tonight, and we'll, we'll see how, how this is true. Verse 8, Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, Paul writes, with which I've been entrusted. False teachers of this church were just continuously, an ongoing way, just proving that they did not understand what the law was for. And to emphasize that, Paul's next words in verse 8 are these, the law is good, it's, it's useful. That's a helpful way to understand what what Paul is is saying. It's useful. It's worth understanding because it's got some value for us. It's it's worth grasping. Psalm 19.7 says the law of God is perfect. Clearly, it's something that is worth our time to understand it. We we should want to know what it is. And then Paul adds in verse 8 that it's, it's good, it's useful, especially when it's used lawfully. And that's a, a bit of play on words, but we can understand it. The law is meant to be used right. It's, it's most useful. It's really good for us when it's used the right way and not to be used improperly or, or wrongly or, or without understanding. These false teachers were somehow using the law of God 
in the wrong way. And before we dig into that, let's just ask this, what is this law? Is there like a verse? Like, what is Paul referring to? Like, what's Paul aimed at here? Well, he's, he's talking about the Mosaic law, and that would be roughly the first five books of your Bible. Uh, they would have called it the Torah. It's, it's, it's all of the commandments that God gave Israel, gave his people, starting with the Ten Commandments through the end of Deuteronomy. That's the Mosaic law. That's what Paul has in mind here. And it seems like somehow these false teachers were like using it as like a, like a giant checklist. You know, they, they, they wrote it all out and they put it on a poster and like stuck it to the fridge. Like we're going to just do all these things to earn God's favor, to, to earn salvation from God. That's, that's what Paul's saying. They're just using it, using it wrong. What does Paul say? Verse nine, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just. The law is not for the righteous. It's, it's not given for the righteous man. It's not to be used that way. It's not a checklist to earn salvation. So then who's the law for? Well, look at the rest of verse 9. Paul writes, the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly, for the sinner, for the unholy and profane. The law is for sinners. And it's laid down by God to help sinners see who they really are. This law, it's, 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 like, a, it's like a mirror when mirrors didn't exist. <laughs> so everybody's like, what do I look like? We look like this. And it's like, ugh. And that's the whole point. This law was given by God to show sinners who they really are to help them see what they're like before this holy and and just God. The law was given to show us our sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 19, a great verse to just jot down the reference. It says this, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under it, under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in God's sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Paul there in Romans is just saying, when you read the law and you see the law, you go, oh yeah, I, I'm not even close. I'm a horrible sinner. And, and I'm deserving judgment. I'm deserving God's wrath against my sin. That's what the law did. The law was meant to devastate you. Like... If, when your mom's like, hey, a couple chores, and then just this long list, and you're just like, it's not, she's still talking, more chores. Like, I'm devastated. That's the law, but way worse. The law is just revealing the ugly truth that we're not good. We can't keep this law. We don't meet God's standard, and that knowledge of sin and the knowledge we have that God is holy and that he requires perfection now because of God's law, we just, we're, we're meant to immediately see our need for a savior, our need for help. 
Galatians 3.24 says, So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're no longer under a guardian, for in Christ you're all sons of God through faith. So the law of God shows us our sin, and yeah, the law is bad news. You're like, Paul just said it was good, that it was useful. How, how can he say that? Because it reveals to us our need for a Savior. It shows us our need for Jesus and how the law leads us in no other direction but straight to him. The law is good because it goes together with the gospel. It's the perfect complement. They're perfect complements to each other. They belong together. They're just like the perfect pair. Peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Had one 20 minutes ago. It was awesome. Can't beat it. It's like chicken wings and anything else because chicken wings are awesome. It's like Sunday afternoons and naps. Just a good pair. It's like Ryan Bennett and comedy. (laughs) Right? Ryan, he's the best. Perfect compliment. Like these two go together. The, The law shows sin to be sin, and the law shows us how much we failed, how how truly short of God's standard of perfection we are. And by condemning us, the law prepares us for our need of some good news. It, It helps us see why we need the gospel because the law demands perfection. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 5. You must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. The law helps us see how how God expects us to live. It gives us this guide for our new life in Christ. That's the law of God and what it is and and who it's for. And back to Timothy, the Ephesian elders, they're not using the law right because they didn't understand the law's purpose. The law is, it's meant to prepare our hearts. That's what, it's, that's what it's doing. To prepare us for our need for the gospel of God and our need for the son of God. That's what it's for. God gave us his law. And then it, verse nine says, it's for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their parents, for murderers. This is who you are. This is you without Christ. Law is meant to condemn you and crush you. Its its purpose is to just make the, the darkness as dark as it can get, so that when the light of Christ appears, you'd say, I want that. I need that. So to use the law in the right way is to use it in partnership with the gospel. Just like verse 11 says, do you see that? The law is perfectly in accordance with the glorious gospel of the blessed God. 
to ignore who you really were, how God actually sees you, that, that you're a sinner desperately in need of the gospel, you would just, you'd be as foolish, you'd be as bad as someone who just doesn't realize that they're not you know, using something the right way. They just don't know that that cup, you know, had grandma's teeth in it all night. It is so gross. But if you continue to ignore the law and the gospel, you're actually so much worse than those false teachers. Because the law tells you, you know what you you need because the law prepares you for your need of the gospel. And to ignore it and to do nothing, it's like drinking out of that cup again and again and again. Just a few verses later in, in verse 15, Paul writes this amazing truth. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ came into the world to save the lawless and disobedient, the ungodly, the, the sinner, the unholy, the, the profane, those who do unimaginable things. He came for sinners, which the law declares you to be. And he came to save, which the gospel promises is for you. And it's an amazing partnership when you understand what the law is and what it's for, how it fits so perfectly with the gospel. Father, thank you for your word and for its truths. We can't thank you enough for for giving us your law. Thank you for helping us see the, the truth that we cannot keep your law. We fall horribly short of your perfect standard. God, thank you for helping us to see our sin, to see us the way that that you see us, to help us understand the truth of the law and that perfect partnership that it has with your gospel. God, just be gracious to these students tonight. Save some by your mercy and grace and love. Help them to see their need for you and those that you've that you've saved. Father, help us to rejoice. Help us to be full of praise at what you've done. Lord, we commit this time and pray these things in the name of Christ our King. Amen.